Hello, and welcome to the first episode of a podcast about audio drama and the creative process. I'm W. Keith Timms, writer and podcaster, creator of The Book of Constellations. In this show, I listen to the first episode of an audio drama, then have a discussion with the creators about the show, their methods, their struggles, and successes. Today, we're discussing the first episode of Wake of Corrosion. My name is Professor Ryan, located Bunker A-12. This is a public broadcast to any survivors out there. I'm broadcasting this in the hope that others will hear the story and come forward with more information. I know that there are some among you who find this content disturbing. Therefore, I advise listener discretion going forward. The following series of broadcasts pertains to that which has afflicted us all. The recent, and as of yet unnamed, events have completely changed life as we know it. Created by Sean Pellington, Wake of Corrosion is an indie audio drama set in a nightmare-ridden apocalyptic world, where an unknown horror grips the country, forcing most of the remaining population into shelter. Listeners tune in to the broadcasts from Bunker A-12 and join Professor Ryan as he endeavors to find answers in the wreckage. These answers seem to revolve around two brothers, Elliot and Roman, who were somehow witness to the events that changed the world. Professor Ryan relies on Elliot's journal and Roman's voice recorder to tell the story. The first episode of Wake of Corrosion, titled Off Grid, finds the brothers preparing for an extended hiking trip into the wilderness. And yet, strange things are already happening around them. Professor Ryan, in relating these events, implores his listeners to get in contact with him any way they can to share information about the brothers or the events they witnessed. A brief word of warning, there is occasional coarse language in this episode. I spoke to Sean via Discord, and we began our conversation while we were still setting up. Uh, so you, did you just come from work? Yes, yeah, I was just driving here from work. Funny enough, I was actually listening to the uh, the Book of Constellations on my way oh. home. Oh, <laughs> well, good. Well, thank you. I appreciate the, the listen. I was really enjoying the start of it. Like, I, I started listening to the first episode on the way home just, uh, and um, I'm enjoying it so far. You've got me hooked, so. Oh, well, excellent. That's, you know, that's always the plan. Why don't we start with that? In the first episode of an audio drama, one of the things you're trying to do, I think, is get the audience to sit up and pay attention and maybe hopefully come back for episode two and three. What were you thinking about when you were working on Wake of Corrosion to sort of entice listeners to come back? Do you know what? It was, it was really quite hard because I've not wrote a script like that before for anything. I've got a degree in theatre. You know, I, I, I'm used to acting, being given a script. So when I was creating the first episode of Wake of Corrosion, it was one of the hardest episodes I've ever done. All the rest after that seemed to like come a bit more naturally. I wanted to give the audience a sense that there was something massively wrong with the world, but also that it didn't start off being in this like horrible place. Because I know sometimes when I've listened to things in the past, if it starts off too, too dark, sometimes I'm put off. So I was trying to find that balance between it's going to be a scary, slightly creepy podcast, but it's not going to be immediately the darkest thing and immediately like jump scares or anything like that. Right. Well, you do a good job of setting the mood, I think, which is a lot of what you try to do in the first episode. By the way, I have a theater and film background as well. Oh, fantastic. So, you know, I wonder, I, I'm trying to think, 
I think a lot of audio drama people maybe do come from theatrical backgrounds. But on the other hand, um, I just done a couple of other interviews and uh, we had someone who was into philosophy and someone who has never done any acting at all. So I think it's a pretty interesting, wide, diverse background of people. Yeah, I absolutely agree. It's quite funny, actually, because quite a lot of people in my family have some sort of background in performing. So it's like something that we we tend to do. But my brother, um, who plays the part of Roman in the story, <laughs> yeah. who is my in-character brother as well, he has like, he's never done any, any sort of form of acting or uh, any performing, but he's just sort of has this natural way with it. It's really interesting to see how differently we approach voice acting for it or coming up with ideas for the show. When I first set out to Wake of Corrosion, I was like, it's going to be me and my brother and that's it. And then I was like, wait a second. <laughs> I need a way of introducing this story. I can't just have it out there as nothing. And so there was uh, a post on Reddit. Um, someone mentioned about wanting to have a bit more experience in audio drama. And it was Kieran Walsh who plays Professor Ryan. I got in touch with him and I was like, I'm thinking about making a show. Send me a link to your reel. And I just want to hear what your voice sounds like. And instantly I was like, this guy is perfect for the role of Professor Ryan. And so like, he's been amazing throughout the whole first season. It's not even exactly how I wanted it actually, because it's better than what I wanted it to be because he brought his own, his own way of being into it. And then so from him, Professor Ryan became someone slightly different. And so when I got the first five episodes back from him, I just did the writing a little bit and so on um, to really suit the way he brought the character to life. And the same with Brianne Leeson, who is in the teaser. I'm not going to say anything else, but she plays the courier in the teaser. fantastically talented at, at bringing that character to life as well. I'm so grateful for the people who've got involved in the show because they've all been so fantastic. Uh, so you have said you had a background in, in theatre? Yeah, so I have a degree in performing arts, but since I finished that, I um, became a teacher. So I teach English and I teach a bit of drama occasionally as well. So it's always sort of been been there. Um, and then the performances that I do otherwise aren't uh, anything to do with vocals. They're uh, actually performing on an aerial apparatus, so like aerial silks or aerial lyra. Oh, wow. Uh, so yeah. you, you do <laughs> so, the sort of acrobatic kind of... Yeah, yeah. My, uh, my partner teaches it. So uh, we both sort of do that together occasionally, you know, enter the odd competition here and there. So it's nothing to do with audio drama, but it's uh, I, I see it as performing either way. It, it's putting yourself out there, isn't it? Right. Well, I mean, there's always physicality involved in any kind of performance. With audio drama, of course, we're sitting in front of a mic and a lot of people think it's very quiet and still. And you do have some technical things you've got to pay attention to, not you know where you're pointing your mouth and your breathing and all that kind of stuff. But at the yeah. same time, there's, I think, it, there's a physicality to the expressiveness of how you use your voice. There absolutely is. 
And when you're acting, like when you're behind the mic, like when you listen to a show, you forget that the person who is who is acting behind that mic is gesturing, like I'm doing it right now. <laughs> my my <laughs> right, hands are going. Right. <laughs> and it's so hard when you've got to try and make sure you're not making lots of excess noise. My worst thing I do is I lean on the table if I'm doing a part where I'm sat down. I usually do those if I'm narrating Elliot's writing. So I sit down and read those parts. And the worst thing I do is lean on the table and then lift my arm back up again. And you just hear the table creak as I <laughs> right, start right. leaning on it. And it's so like, you can't help but gesture. You can't help but act out those lines, even though you know nobody is going to see you doing that. Uh, well, I think it adds expressivity to what you say and to your performance. So uh, I totally get it. Let me let me ask you a bit about the show itself. Tell me about your show in your own words. I don't know. I, always, I find it quite hard. I want to make sure that people know about the show, but I don't want to give too much away at the same time. But Wake of Corrosion is a weird horror sci-fi. I suppose it comes under the category of found footage, although it's not necessarily always delivered in that way. It follows Professor Ryan. He is in a bunker called Bunker A12. He's trying to review evidence that he's got. He's, he's very scientifically minded and he really wants to find out what on earth has happened to the world. And he's basically doing what he can with limited resources. So he's got a bunch of data, basically, journal entries and recordings from these two people who are Elliot and Roman, and they are the main characters of the story. Waker Crojan follows their journey out into the wild. They go on this off-grid camping trip and things go seriously wrong. It takes them on a journey and these two brothers, they learn things about one another as they're going. Their relationship is tested. They don't necessarily fall into arguing with one another, but it's very much like the emotional bond between them is quite tested. You know, I think the typical horror setup is everything is happy and bright at the beginning of the story. And then, of course, everything completely falls apart. We're listening to these two brothers. They clearly like each other very much. They joke with each other, but they're also supportive. They're looking forward to this getaway out into the wilderness off the grid. And yet we know from the narration of Professor Ryan, uh, we know that they're doomed in some way. Why did you want to tell this story now? To my shame, I had only very recently discovered audio drama, and I can't believe how I've missed out on it for this long. So a couple of my friends uh, said to me, oh, there's this audio drama we listen to. And I was like, what's an audio drama to start off with? <laughs> right. um, but it was uh, The White Vault by Fallen Scholar, which I know a lot of people uh, have listened to. And I see it mentioned quite a lot on like the audio drama subreddit. And I was completely hooked. So from then on, I started to listen to lots of other shows and lots of different styles. And I feel like I have a story to tell. I feel like I have something that I want to share. And I've always enjoyed that horror aspect. I've always enjoyed sort of weird tales, weird stories. And I thought, do you know what? I've got a book that I've been writing for a very long time that I will not finish for a good while, probably. I think there's a different medium that I could do. And I was speaking to my brother and he was like, well, why don't we give it a go? So we're like, yeah, okay, fair enough. So we grabbed our headsets that we used to play online and plugged them into our laptop, downloaded Audacity and we're like, all right, let's give it a go. My brother was like, well, you enjoy writing, so why don't you try and come up with a story and then together we'll try and record something. And then it just sort of went from there. And for the next like two weeks, I couldn't stop thinking of ideas. I had all these different things going on in my head. And then several months later, you know, I've got, got the microphone, got the setup, got all the sound effects and there was the show. And it's sort of like it wrote itself. There's a there's a, some recurring themes that I picked up on in the first episode, and I wondered if you could speak to that a little bit. The first question I have for you is, what do you have against notifications? <laughs> and I say that because your characters um, t specifically talk about the fact they're going to get away and from their devices and not have to get emails or notifications on their phones. And you also yeah. spend time, they talk about struggling with the fact that, well, I don't have my phone. 
it is only a week, but we're going full on off-grid. We're not camping in some hired field or hiking a day then staying in a log cabin. We're doing the whole thing. Absolute minimal technology. All our own gear. I can't wait. I'm a weird mix of excited and scared out of my mind and the amount of what-if questions I have to keep shoving to the back of my mind is becoming a little bit unbearable. But since I've been seeing all the gear come together it has been getting better. We're going to be leaving in a few hours and I'm pretty sure Roman has only just started packing. He's usually much more organised than this. I think I'm going to go give him a hand once I finish writing. Just think, no messages, no emails, no social media and no freaking notifications. This is going to be good. Talk to me about why you wanted to specifically talk about this disconnection. Yeah, I hadn't forgotten, but you sort of like reminded me of their little mantra in the first episode, no emails, no notifications. When I was first writing Wake of Corrosion, it was at a time when I'd realised how much I checked my phone during the day. Mm. Like, it was driving me mad. I was sort of like embodying my own emotions when I think Elliot says something like, it's become an addiction, a bad one at that. Like, that's really how I felt at the time when I was writing it. And then I realised this is a great reason for them to not take their phones with them, to not even be connected to the world. And then I thought, well, actually, there's so many other people who feel the same way as me because increasingly phones are becoming a massive part of everything that we do. I thought it would be a nice way for people to relate to the character because it was something that I was feeling at the same time. It raised a question in my mind because they specifically talk about how they're getting away from technology. They talk about how their lives are getting too digital. And it felt a little to me like foreshadowing, um, especially because the uh, professor talks about getting contact with me any way you can and that he's using radio as a way to reach out. So there seems to be some sort of breakdown. I didn't know if that was something that you were intentionally foregrounding. And obviously it's a way to get a phone out of their hands so they can't call for help. Are we to infer that maybe that's something that's coming down the line? I think straight away as soon as you set up a story such as wake of corrosion where there's been some sort of apocalypse where people are living in bunkers and are isolated and like professor ryan says you know get in touch with me any way you can and he calls everybody outside survivors it's important to remember like how fragile our whole worldly setup is as soon as things start falling apart they quickly deteriorate and all the things that we come to rely on and don't even realize how much we rely on them every day how quickly they'll go away, they'll stop working, they'll become useless. Later on in Wake of Corrosion, there is a part where they try to get back in touch with the world, get back in touch with technology, and they do sort of have a moment of realisation of being like, wow, nothing worked. Yeah. There's a lot of world building, I think, that you're doing in this first episode. You're setting up the mood and then also the world, the before and the after time. A lot of foreshadowing that's going on there. I'm thinking about the 4x4 that had clearly been in a wreck recently and yet showed mm. signs of having been there for years and years, overgrown with nature. We um, saw the aftermath of an awful car crash just before we turned off. It looked as though someone had been driving around an absolute rust bucket of a 4x4 and ploughed straight into the back of someone else's car. I'm not even sure how the 4x4 was still drivable. Most of the windows were smashed, presumably from the accident, but the ones that were intact, well, they looked like they were thick with moss, like you could barely see through them anyway. It's kind of like those sorts of cars that you see parked in driveways full of plants slowly claiming back the world around them, the ones you assume haven't moved in years. 
what were your thoughts about world building as you were setting out to write this piece? And what's your approach to that? So I wrote the bare bones of episode one of like what I wanted to get across, you know, Professor Ryan's in a bunker, Elliot and Roman are going on an off-grid camping trip, that sort of thing. And I was like, right, these are the significant points I want to have happen in this episode. These are the relationship points I want people to understand about the brothers. You know, one's more confident than the other, so on and so forth. And then I started to write more and more of the show. Uh, Episodes two and three came out and I thought, right, now I know exactly what direction that I want to take this in because sometimes I don't even realize until I'm writing the episode like something I think right I want it to go in this way but actually as I start writing it it goes in a different direction and I go with that a bit more so I prefer it to be a little bit more natural. I went back to episode one and I was like okay we need some hints going on in here some some little suggestions that there are things outside the brothers are noticing but perhaps because you don't expect anything unusual, you don't necessarily draw on it too much. You might mention it, but other than mentioning it, you don't do much else about it. And it's funny you should mention things like that because there is something uh, in episode one which is very important later on in the story. Oh. Um, I'm not going to mention it, but it is, okay. yeah, there is, a, there is a specific moment, which I don't think people will expect, but is incredibly important that you might not realize until the, the last episode of the first okay, season. Okay, well, actually. you don't have to answer, but... And I, <laughs> I, um, but I remember listening, something gets broken as they're about to okay. leave and made me kind of go, what was that? That we are, my friend, that we are. Then three hours drive and we're off grid. No messages. <laughs> no emails. No social media. Yep. And no freaking notifications. <laughs> anyway, need a hand with this? Nah, I'm all good. Nearly finished here. Fair enough. Damn it, that's the second time today. That scared the shit out of me. Is something wrong with the wiring again? Maybe. I'll have to check it when we get back. I'll just tell Claire not to use it for now. It's the bulb is the what you're in about in the in the garage. It's a little more foreshadowing there, maybe. Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> yeah, and, and of course I love the professor's sign-off, uh, Don't Wander in the Dark. It gets me every time. <laughs> Whenever I listen to other shows, I really enjoyed any that had a repeating sign off is something wonderful about it when you listen to a show and you get to the end and you can almost say it as the character saying it i really enjoyed those moments so i was like i want to happen i want there to be that moment in the show uh, as of this recording how many episodes do you have out now so as of right now there are 10 episodes out and that is the whole of season one and you got season two coming season two on the way i'm currently writing it and at this very day i'm very much the mind that I must write the whole season before any episodes get released. So looking back at the first episode after having gone through season one, what do you think about your first episode? It's so bizarre to me listening back through to that first episode because I wrote that last October. So it would have been October 2020, I think, or possibly September. It's sort of like looking back at a younger me because I wrote it without much knowledge of what it's like to actually release a podcast or to release an audio drama or release any sort of show like that. And I listen back to it and I think, wow, <laughs> how did I manage to uh, set up that world and people listen to it and like it? There's so many times that people have said to me, oh, I've listened to the first episode and I'm hooked. And I'm like, how? <laughs> how did I do that? Like, right. I don't know what I did. Yeah. But... There's also times when I'm, I, I listen to it and I'm, I, I forget 
that all of those sound effects, all of those extra bits that make it believable that I added in there, because prior to making Wake of Corrosion, I did not know how to use Audacity or any digital audio workstation. Like, <laughs> I just sort of taught myself how to do it. I'm in the same boat. Uh, I felt pretty good about my writing and I felt pretty good about my voice work, but I had no clue about production. And I'm listening to some of the um, earlier episodes of my show and I'm like, oh, I can hear things now that I was like, you should fix that. But of course, you know, that's the learning process, right? It's Yeah. And it's funny because I was listening to your show and I didn't think that at all. I thought, this is really good. I <laughs> well, love the way you. this is produced. I love the way the music comes into things and fades out. I like it. It's nice. So yeah, you don't have anything to uh, to worry about. I think we end up being self-critical, don't we? That's of true. We I think we're our worst critics about things like that. And we notice things that are there that other people probably don't. So I think it's good advice to creators to not beat yourself up too much. Yeah, absolutely. And I'm quite lucky my partner, she she doesn't shy away from being critical on things that I've created, which I honestly really appreciate. Like, I'll be like, right, can you just listen to this little bit? And she's like, that doesn't work. Um, <laughs> she's like, that's, that's rubbish. Like, that doesn't make sense. Right, right. I think having a source of feedback is important. Because writing is a fairly solitary thing, right? It's just mm -hmm. you and your imagination and the page or the screen. And then suddenly you're done and you're like, well, I like it, but what have I missed? Where are my blind spots? And that yeah, sort of thing. Absolutely. And you think to yourself as well, whilst you're writing, you're like, is this even good? Like I try and replay conversations that are in the story in my head. And if it's a conversation between Elliot and Roman, it's usually the easiest one because it's closest to me and my brother speaking to one another. So the conversational aspects are easy to do because I can imagine that conversation. But if it's between Professor Ryan and somebody or anyone who the brothers meet, that's just, it's so difficult to try and think, will people enjoy this conversation? Does it flow like a real conversation? Tell me, how close to real life are, are the brothers in the show to you and your brother? <laughs> um, more than I'd like to fully admit. <laughs> um, because I knew this was the first time I'd wrote a full script like this, I was like, I need to make this easier for myself. I'm not going to make myself jump through hurdles because at the end of the day, unless it's the people who know us really well, anyone who's listening to it isn't going to be like, oh, that's Sean and Lee talking to each other. <laughs> so they are very similar. It's almost as though the characteristics that my brother and I have have been amplified. So I get nervous about things sometimes and, and things unnecessarily worry me. So Elliot has those traits, but they are amplified. My brother, um, Lee, is quite confident a lot of the time, but he still has moments where, you know, he doubts himself. And usually it's me looking to him for guidance in some situations, but then there's other moments where I end up being the source of knowledge. So you can see that as you listen further into the show, you see those moments where like one of the brothers becomes sort of like the leader for the second. And that sort of like jokey way that they speak to one another, a lot of negligible insults that don't mean anything, calling each other silly names, um, laughing at one another about just things. That's very much what we're like mm -hmm. together. It, well, it gives the, the dialogue a, a natural feel. Um, and so I think that's effective. Um, what do you struggle with? I struggle sometimes in making sure that the direction that the show is going in is the right one and that the elements I want to be in there are the right ones. So let me break that down a little bit. Sure. When I'm making it creepy or scary or weird, I have this like image in my head of what I want it to be. So a lot of time I'll close my eyes and I'll try and like write down exactly what I want that to look like. Translating that into 
just audio, I find really quite difficult sometimes. It's really hard to find the balance between characters describing what they can see just because they can, or characters describing it naturally, so that it doesn't come across as they're just saying like, in front of me, I can see this giant alien creature or something random like that. Right. It's such a hard balance because of the nature of the show, because it's a footage sort of show. Anytime where it's a voice recording of the two brothers or somebody else, that's what I find hardest. It's easier when it's Elliot and his diary entries because he can just explain things, he can describe it. Those are the easiest parts to write. Right. It's trying to get that visualization from text on my screen to vocalizing it to then giving it sound effects those are the scenes I find the hardest. And so actually there's more of those scenes in season two because I wanted to challenge myself a little bit, but they are so hard. That's what I really struggle with. I think it's an interesting approach though, because you can almost look at the brothers and using their particular medium as a different perspective on the events. They're both technically journals, but the audio recording can be more matter of fact. This is what's here and this is what's happening. These are my immediate thoughts. Where a journal can be almost like a novel where you get inside the head of the character, find out a little bit more about what they're thinking and feeling. That two-pronged approach is actually interesting and effective. It gives the audience a chance to get a different perspective on the events, not just from the brothers, but also from the medium that they're using. How do you measure success? For me, the success isn't how many people listen to it anymore. I'm not bothered about that. For me, success is when one person who I don't know or one person who I haven't even asked if they want to listen to the show, haven't even mentioned it to them, comes to me or writes to me and says, I really enjoyed the show. Thank you. Any positive feedback like that, that's success. And and the fact that like you when you get to finish a project, like season one of Wake of Corrosion is completely finished, fully recorded and out there. Sometimes I think to myself, I'm like, Sean, you have a full season of an audio drama that's online, that's available. And it doesn't matter if anyone else listens to the show or if no one listens to it ever again, because it's there and you created it. I'm afraid that due to the limited power of our generators, we shall have to leave the broadcast air for today, survivors. We hope for clear skies to bring energy tomorrow, or even some fuel if we're lucky. We shall return to the story of the two brothers soon. There's more we must learn and more I must share. If you're somewhere out there and you have information regarding the brothers, please get in touch any way you can. Here at Bunker A12, we hope you're somewhere safe and warm and remember, as always, don't wander in the dark. As the story continues, we not only learn more about the brothers and the events that changed the world, but we learn about Professor Ryan as well. But true to the horror genre, Wake of Corrosion isn't for the faint of heart. While the first episode sets up the world and the disaster to come, it only hints at the terrors that lie ahead. Audiences are advised to use their discretion with the story's explicit and scary content. Wake of Corrosion is available on most major podcast platforms, or see the show notes for webpage links. The first episode of is written and produced by W. Keith Timms. All opinions expressed in this show belong to the people who expressed them, and not necessarily to anyone else. The theme song is Mockingbird by David Mumford. The show's webpage is thefirstepisodeof.com. If you're an audio drama creator and would like to be on the show, send an email to thefirstepisodeof at gmail.com. If you like down-to-earth sci-fi audio drama, check out my show, The Book of Constellations, wherever you get your podcasts. Keep telling stories. 
It's the only way we're going to get out of this mess. Until next time.